You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, before we started, you had to get that Diet Coke. It's the fuel that drives <laughs> the deputy editor. It is indeed. I never, I never acquired a taste for coffee. I know I'm weird that way. Yes. Sue me. I'm a big coffee guy. If there is a Diet Coke or coffee marketer out there that wants to sponsor the podcast, I think it's what Steven Serta at VoxMedia.com. So this, of course, is the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We are well into the offseason. We're approaching the middle of March. We're about to get into what is the legal tampering period. The actual tampering period is ongoing right now. Then we get into free agency <laughs> and start of the new league year on March 16th. And we're eager to see what the Kansas City Chiefs do because this is always an active team in free agency. Ideally, what they want to do is address all of these needs ahead of free agency so they can enter the NFL draft, which is in late April, and not really need to necessarily take any position in particular. So it should be an active week. They have a lot of positions to address, and, and I'm eager to see what happens. Again, if you, if you want to leave us a rating and a review, we encourage that. As I say every week, we will read them right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I am sorry to say that we have no reviews this week, John. What? I, I know what? it's what? it's it's upsetting. So let's get on it. Let's leave five stars. If you want to ask a question, we'll uh, we'll what did we take it? We took a uniform question last week. Yeah, so that was fun. You had, do you have an update on your on your mascot or did you completely forget to to do any research on that? Do you remember? Yeah, I totally forgot. See? OK, yeah, I can understand that. But I'm busy. I'm uh, a busy guy. What can I tell you? So John's going to go uh, back to the Google machine and, and we'll try to get that mascot answer for you. But again, uh, leave a rating and a review. We'll read it right here on the show. On this program, we're going to get into the Chiefs news of the week. There's been a bit of news. There's been some AFC West news, which will talk about again in segment two john you've been keeping track of the mock drafts and who has been sent to the kansas city chiefs all month since these mock drafts have started so we'll have a discussion about the position and we'll go through the ap twitter poll that'll come in the second segment but let's start here we know that there was big broncos news and we'll get back to that a little bit later in the show but let's keep it with the chiefs here for their biggest story of the week and that was officially tagging orlando brown jr and as an offensive lineman i've seen different numbers out there but it appears to be approximately 16.7 million Mm dollars for 2022 that'll be against the chiefs cap this was largely an expected move we had talked about it on 
this program. I feel that it's been an expected move since the Chiefs have traded for him. Where I think I differ in, in how I felt over the past years, I was under an understanding that he would certainly be playing on the tag for 2022. And now I really am starting to believe that the Chiefs would ideally want to have a long-term extension. And I don't think it's going to happen overnight. That's what I wrote on our, our pages this week. But I think in an ideal scenario, this is a long-term extension that happens maybe in the summer as opposed to him playing on the tag. And I, I have more optimism from kind of the things that I've been hearing uh, on that front, John. Yeah, you know, I th- I think I can't remember if I knew that he didn't have an agent uh, when we traded for him, and uh, right, it's, I'd certainly forgotten about it. And Does when no I wrote... Baltimore Raven ha- have have an agent? Because <laughs> Lamar Jackson is famously yeah. the one whose mom represents him, right, Miss yeah. Miss Jackson. Uh, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson, um, but no. Yeah, so Orlando Brown is still determining. I, I don't yeah. know if I realized that either. If he wants to represent himself or hire an agent my Mm -hmm. advice and and who who knows i would say hire an agent man like right right have have him do the discussions or or her for that matter Um, you're already always better to have a professional handle your business that's just that's just a a life lesson there what what came out of this and and what i thought was interesting is so he doesn't have an agent but he has this mentor and it's jamal brown seems to be a former player uh, in in the nfl not exactly sure if there's relation to the family. It seems like there might be. But anyway, NFL Network Mike Garofolo, uh reporter, NFL Network reporter Mike Garofolo had a conversation with the mentor. And I, I thought there were some interesting quotes here. And I'll read it quickly and let's react to them. And here's the quote. He's slow playing it, talking about Orlando Brown now. He's slow playing it because what's most important to him right now is supporting Pat through his wedding, Patrick Mahomes, handling his charity event at the end of March, and then getting into the best shape of his life. Orlando wants to be in Kansas City, wants to sign a long-term deal there. He wants Kansas City to understand he's the type of player who can be there for the rest of his career. He's a cornerstone left tackle. Orlando has bet on himself, and he's had to face adversity. The first few games of the season last year, he didn't play well, and he felt like he was letting Brett Veach down because Veach took a chance on him and traded away a lot for him. We had a talk, and I told him, you can't measure heart without adversity. From that point on, he played lights out. That's the kind of left tackle the Chiefs have in Orlando, a guy willing to battle through the adversity. So may not have an agent, but he, he certainly wanted that message out there. And I think this was the key. This was Jamal talking again later in the article. He wants to be a Super Bowl champ, a pro bowler, an all pro, a team captain. And then here was the key to me, the highest paid at his position. And most importantly, the Walter Payton man of the year. So the Walter Payton man of the year thing is cool. I, I think he wants and has a desire to be like Will Shields, in that fashion, offensive lineman at the position who won the award. But highest paid is is key here because you have another left tackle on the free agent market in turn Armstead. And we talked about this on SB Nation's NFL show, the Monday Football Monday program I do with RJ Cho of the Cowboys. Armstead seems to be the guy who's going to make the most money this offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if Brown wants to be the highest paid, he probably wants that chip to fall first. So the general speak of this messaging is Brown is in no rush to get this done. And, and you know, the only time you really, I, I think have any leverage when you are tagged is the fact that you can sign it or not sign it. You have to you know go in and do it. Mm-hmm. And he knows that the, the chiefs have this July 15th deadline and that's four months from now. 
in the meantime, I, I think Armstead is going to end up getting a contract and it's going to be a precarious situation because if Brown wants to be the highest paid, I don't know if the chiefs want to want to do that, but there's the catch 22 of, okay, the salary cap is set. It's $208 million for each team in 2022. Now you're looking at, at the 2023 and they're supposedly supposed to be this boom of a cap. So mm-hmm. if you can structure right. a deal, I, I got to think the chiefs, and uh, this is my gut. I think the Chiefs end up meeting somewhere. I don't know if he's going to be the highest paid, but I bet you they give him a very lucrative deal with a low cap number for 22 because I, I just think they need to do it if they want to address all these positions uh, later on. It's just hard to do that if Brown is in no rush with free agency opening next week. Well, if he really wants to be the highest paid, his best opportunity to do that is next season right. after the Chiefs have seen him play under the tag this year. So if that's really one of his goals, and boy, he's got some goals there. <laughs> he's got a long list. Um, he actually would probably be better off playing under the tag this year because he'll make a better deal next year based on what he does this year. Assuming, of course, that he continues to play well uh, as played, he did I mean, towards the end of the season. It was a scheme transition, and he, he finally came into his own at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't yeah. think the effort merited the highest paid tackle so playing on the tag might be the as you're saying the best option there'll be more money and i i also think this this highest paid goal i get it i i would want to be the highest paid as well but you're only the highest paid until the next chip falls right it it seems Mm -hmm. that's the way in the nfl and if you really want to just make the most money in general maybe you are better off waiting until there is a salary cap boom in in 2023 but i think my grand messaging from this is i don't think this is getting solved anytime soon because i just don't think brown is in a rush he he made that messaging clear he's focusing on patrick mahomes and his wedding that is sometime in march uh, as as we know no one really knows the exact date probably for good reason but um <laughs> seems like brown's gonna be a part of that I, I know he was connected to the bachelor party with tmz that came out we didn't we chose not to cover that. Let Patrick have some kind of privacy if he can at uh, doing his thing. But yeah, so he's involved in that and, and wants to wants to um, get through that. And, and that's understandable. I just think it, it puts the Chiefs in a weird situation because they need to make some room and, and try to get all these these deals done. And and speaking of, of those deals, Tyron Matthew uh, is is testing the market that came out throughout the NFL combine through uh, NFL Network's uh, Ian Rappaport. And I'm just starting to get the feeling that this is starting to feel over. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I had talked on this podcast on these waves quite a bit about how Matthew had calmed down on Twitter and, and wasn't really as aggressive. And that has started up again. We've started <laughs> to see the angry slash you don't believe in me tweets. Mm-hmm. And then they get deleted yeah. and then he tweets again. He's also been connected to the New Orleans Saints, uh, which uh, what came by way of social media. I put up the article from Canal Street Chronicles, our sister site with the Saints, and there was a Instagram from the Saints Zone, and it was Chief Safety Tyron Matthew has been linked to possibly signing with the Saints this offseason, and Tyron Matthew uh, answered with two fire emojis. So I think he is beginning to to look at other teams as well Man, New Orleans would make a lot of sense. We don't really know who the quarterback is going to be. We're assuming it's going to be Jameis Winston. That's a pretty big downgrade from Patrick Mahomes. But I I do think he has such strong ties to the Louisiana area that if the the Saints were interested, and the Saints don't have a ton of room, but if they were interested and there was mutual interest and and they could bend a little, 
I could really see Matthew doing doing something like that. Now, I, mm-hmm. I think if he wants to simply be paid a lot, I don't know if New Orleans could do it. Uh, and I, I don't think Kansas City can do it. So it might be one of the other 30 teams. So I don't know. I, I know that we had our coast to coast last night with the Twitter spaces. And I saw through the tweets that Mark Gunnels, our, our guy who loves him some Tyree Matthew, he finally admitted that, you know, maybe he's going to be moving on. And I'm starting to feel the same way. I had been 51% that he would be back. I'm probably about 55, 60 the other way at this point. Mm. I'm, I'm ready to admit myself that I just I can't I can't see him returning necessarily unless there was something significant that happened between these two sides. So not a big change in your viewpoint, but one that tilts you the other way. I got you. Yeah, probably, and I yeah. think that's fair. Yeah, I'm probably about 60 percent that yeah. he's going to be with another club at this point. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think we have to just see uh, how much money he can get on the open market. I mean, if he's going to stay, it's going to be because he tested the market and couldn't get the money that he wanted. And so um, this will be something that we'll have to monitor going into the draft. As this morning, uh, I wrote about Todd McShay's draft where they take where he takes Daxton Hill, a safety out of Michigan uh, okay. at number 30 for the Chiefs. And, um, you know, that's based on the idea that the Chiefs don't get some either don't get Matthew or a free agency replacement for him before the draft. So we'll just have to see how this plays out. Um, Matthew certainly is casting a long shadow over the off season right now. Right. And I'm, I'm just, I'm curious as to how, how it goes. Uh, I don't, I don't know anymore. It's been such a weird, (laughs) I've, I just saw him as a player that they would never let hit the open market because he just meant so much to the team Mm -hmm. in their championship in the AF championships in the AFC and the championship, the Super Bowl championship. And now you have them connected to a, a Daxton Hill is the Lanzier line of NFL.com is a great resource for some of this draft stuff. And this is a comment on uh, Daxton Hill from an area stuff for an NFC team. He's so fast and so athletic that it wouldn't surprise me if a team tried to make him a full-time cornerback. I think he has that kind of potential. That's interesting. And it's interesting to see Daxton Hill connected Michigan product um, in that role in, in the sense that, well, if he can be a cornerback as well, uh, that kind of fits <laughs> what Matthew right. mm-hmm. can offer yeah. as, as far as versatility. Mm-hmm. It's whether you're willing to put the defense really into the hands of what's going to be Juan Thornhill and Nick Bolton and Chris Jones's team. It, it's mm-hmm. weird to it, it just is weird to think about the Chiefs without Tyron Matthew, but it, it's just becoming more and more and more uh, of a reality. The Chiefs, of course, have some remaining decisions. I thought that Brandon Kiley did an excellent job over the past week writing a scenario for the perfect offseason for the Chiefs, and they have things they could do to continue to free up cap space. Tyree Kill, I know that there's been some smoke on an extension. That thing's getting started, and we'll see. We believe that's in the beginning stages. That can free up some cap, and I, I think there's always the grand mystery of the Mahomes mechanisms, as I call them, the guarantee <laughs> mechanisms. I think if there's there's room in in Mahomes's contract to make more space, this is the year they're definitely going to do it because of the mm-hmm. booming cap and and kicking it down uh, the curb. And remember, this is happening because of coronavirus. The the, right. the Chiefs right. had a long term plan that had the cap going up each year. It went down and now went slightly up. And now with coronavirus. Knock on wood, hopefully in the rearview mirror. I don't want any more variants. If coronavirus, if you're listening, stop. Uh, we're done with you. Um, 
We're going to get a you know, review with, from coronavirus next week. Yeah, the yeah, that's right. <laughs> One star review because it hates us. The TV <laughs> contracts kick in coronavirus in the rearview mirror. So this th- this goes back to the Orlando thing, too. This thing's about to boom. And mm-hmm. so why not take a, as small a possible hit as you can, both in the Tyree kill and again, the Mahomes mechanisms, which I, I don't know if anyone really completely understands, but there's ways to restructure this thing and put some significant salary. Eventually it's going to hit, but you'd rather do that now in the last seven years of it. If the, if the salary cap is about to, to go off, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I think it's important to note that although the cap is expected to rise significantly in 2023 the big one will be in 2024 when those tv ca- uh, contracts fully kick in right i mean it's it's going to be like a normal cap increase in 2022 you know somewhere between five and ten percent uh you know and i think historically it's like 7.8 percent on average something something along those lines so we're going to see an increase that we haven't seen the last couple of years uh in 2023 but the big one will come in 2024 where you're going to see like double or triple the normal increase in the cap. So right. the the Chiefs are going to have to slide through a, a tight space again next season with the Mahomes contract and some of these other things that are going on. But I think that Veach will be keeping that, that uh, projected figure for the cap uh, over the next two seasons in mind as he does these deals this season, because it is going to be a tough uh, spot for the chiefs to fit through next year. I got to tell you, John. So we had an emergency podcast with Russell Wilson going to the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to hit that with a brief marinated takeaway segment and segment two, but what got, I think buried a little bit, and this was almost more of a killer against the chiefs than even the Russ Wilson Broncos was the Chargers signing Mike Williams mm-hmm. to a three-year, $60 million contract that includes $40 million guaranteed. If you're Tyree Kill, do you know what you should be doing? You know those backflips he does in the end zone, wherever he is? I know he's got, what does he live in Florida now in the offseason? He should have been backflipping all over the place yesterday <laughs> because that's the bare minimum. The Chiefs have mm-hmm. to pay him now. And and I, yeah. I think you know Drew Rosenhaus, We'll we'll know that uh, the his agent and that's a killer. I mean that it has to be more than that. Mike Williams, I, I know the Chargers wanted to keep him, um, and they made that very clear. But this now becomes a, a baseline for Tyree Kill. You have to pay yeah. him at least that, and it's and it's probably going to have to be longer, and it's probably going to have to be be more. And maybe that there's a way if they they get this deal done, they could make the again the the cap number a little bit lower for these two years. It's lucky that Tyree Kill is still in his mid twenties, and these receivers you know mm-hmm. do kind of have their prime right in the range, and you could trust that a little bit. And for the most part, aside from that weird shoulder injury, Tyree Kill has been pretty durable mm-hmm. yeah. uh, throughout his career. So I think you could feel confident about it. But that's a killer. The Mike Williams contract yeah. is a killer. Um, yeah, but uh, you know. Tyreek Hill's a better uh, wide receiver than Mike Williams is. So, well, that's uh, the problem. Should, that's what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. So, and he'll be worth whatever the Chiefs decide to pay him, I think. So, it's just a question of figuring out how to make it work under the cap. And, um, uh, you know, Veach has shown an ability to do that. And we're just going to have to trust him to do the right thing here. He knows what to do. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. The average per year in the NFL, I just pulled it up right here is Hopkins 27-2, Julio 22, Devontae Adams 20, 
uh, Keenan Allen, 20, Amari Cooper, 20. I mean, you are looking at a bare minimum of $20 million for Tyreek Hill. And I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to be in that Hopkins range and be the highest paid receiver. This is the problem, uh, you know, I I think with with Hill and and the extension, and and it's going to be confusing, is he has top one upside. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to argue that. I mean, he could be the best receiver in the league. Sure. And and that's by that's a lot wild. of measures he is already. Right. I mean, and really. that, that's that's a tough person to to, you know, and, and we know that this is going to be a more normal contract per reports last year or last time around. He was going through uh, some things where the Chiefs built in. You had to earn certain amounts mm-hmm. of, of money. Right. This is going to be a normal contract that a Mike Williams can get that. One of these Devontae Adams is another guy that was that, that was tagged here. Um, that he can, you know, he he'll end up getting if they could, they're able to work a long term extension in Green Bay. So um, something that that remains, you know, to be watched and will be a, a big part of the offseason and probably an underrated part considering, you know, we'd spend so much time on well, what are they going to do with Anthony Hitchens? Um, what are they going to do with Brown and Matthew? Uh, we're still waiting to see what they end up doing with Frank Clark, but this Hill extension is is a big deal, and I don't think you want to play with fire in the sense of what they're doing with Matthew with Hill. I think you need to get this thing done. He's so important for the offense. Right, so. right. Well, he's obviously a key piece of the Kansas City offense, one that they really they really can't do without. Not right no. now. I mean, no. maybe in a couple three years we got some guys coming down the pipeline that can can take that role, but that guy is not on the roster now. And um, I doubt that he's going to be on the roster, you know, by the time we get through the draft. I think this is going to be Hill's ball club for a while. Right. We'll see what happens. Uh, the last piece of news here, and, and this is just a, a small piece of news. We don't got to spend a lot of time on it, but it's a it's a congratulations to two of the Chiefs athletic trainers uh, during oh, yeah. combine mm-hmm. during combine week. Uh, David Glover, who's a great guy, by the way, he won the Tim Davey Assistant Athletic Trainer of the Year Award. Uh, for the AFC, and then Rick Burkholder, who you really only hear him and his name when it's bad news, because that means <laughs> if, he, if he's talking at the podium and he, he makes from the podium, that means that someone's having surgery or something. But uh, Rick Burkholder, the VP of Sports Medicine and Performance of the Chiefs, was named the 2022 Fane Kane Memorial Award for Outstanding NFL Athletic Trainer of the Year. So congratulations to him. The Chiefs did a really good job, I think, navigating all of these COVID protocols. I remember, if you remember this, they were the first team to have their COVID plan in place when it happened. Uh, and so you have Burke Holder, who's, who's been a, a pretty big, I think, proponent also, too, for women trainers in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and he you know, gets this award. He, he does really seem like uh, one of the leaders. And he's been with Andy Reid since 1999. Andy Reid has only had one quote unquote, I know his title has changed, but uh, head athletic trainer. And so it's been Burke Holder. And, you know, there's a lot of trust there. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think every head coach puts their trainer at the podium when there are surgeries. So, <laughs> right. Uh, uh, congratulations, Tim. Right. And and he did a fabulous job, I think, through that whole COVID situation. I mean, yeah, the Chiefs had some problems here and there, but uh, Burke Holder designed a great plan. Um, and it kept the Chiefs moving along where a lot, of, a lot of other teams had troubles, more troubles than the Chiefs did. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. And if you really remember this, and, and this is the last point, and then we'll take, take a quick break. If you really remember this, a lot of teams were, it felt like they had their hands in the air when COVID began. And it mm-hmm. just was the Andy Reid way. It's like, no, we're going to dominate these COVID protocols and, you know, like get the team in there yeah. uh, and just almost use it to our advantage. And, you know, yeah. there were players that 
um, who were like holding out and Andy Reid, like it almost seemed like he rounded Mahomes and said, get these guys in the building. We're going to have these protocols in place. And the chiefs used it to their advantage and made it all the way back to the Super Bowl. They didn't end up winning it, but I, I, I just thought that was, that's always interesting. I mean, it's it just always that outside the box uh, thinking that makes Andy Reid and everyone that he sort of surrounds himself with successful in the NFL. Uh, totally right, well, agree. Yeah. When we come back, we will get into some marinated takeaways about Russ Wilson to the Broncos, and we'll check in on the mock position percentage. Stay with us. This is the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. Takes years. <laughs> That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. John, we thought our marinated takeaways were, were dead and buried, but we had our emergency <laughs> podcast yesterday. Russ Wilson uh, heading to the Denver Broncos really changes the game, I think, in, in the AFC West. We had our emergency podcast with me, you, Steven Serta had some takes fired off. And then last night we had our coast to coast, our Twitter space that had some takes on Russ Wilson to the Denver Broncos. Now that 24 hours have passed, John, I'll throw it to you. Anything change about this, this monster trade with uh, drew lock and, and a package going to the Seahawks and Russ Wilson to the Broncos. Well, you know, what strikes me about this after I've thought about it a little while um, is it just shows that despite the season he had in 2021, which was, substantially off by his standards. We talked about this when we were speculating about who the most improved player for the chiefs in 2022 would be. Right. Um, Patrick Mahomes is still the guy to beat in this division. Um, you see this and what the chargers did and now what the Broncos have done. Um, I'm surprised that the Raiders have, uh, haven't done something similar to just, you know, try and find a way to match what Mahomes does on the field. Um, so, you know, there are people who will try and say Mahomes is is gone. He's he's not the guy that we thought he was after the season he had in 2021. Well, obviously, the rest of the AFC West doesn't think so. They expect Mahomes to be a player that they're going to have to contend with, and the way they want to do that is to put a guy that can come close to equaling what he does on the field. And I think that's what this Russell Wilson move shows. I think it's arguable about whether Russell Wilson is that guy right. but uh, at this stage in his career. But you can see that that's the Broncos thinking at this point. Right, right. I I, I just, you know, I look at the Super Bowl odds and, and I, I think I just keep going back to the point where I, I just think it affects the whole AFC West more than the Chiefs because the Chiefs are, are in a scenario where I think it and I, I think the Bengals had a nice run, but it, it's not the Bengals. It's the Buffalo Bills with Josh mm-hmm. Allen and the way Josh yeah. Allen was playing in that last game. If you really think about, OK, if, if the Chiefs are the Patriots in this scenario and you're thinking about the Colts of yesteryear, that's the rivalry. It's the Chiefs and the, and the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills don't play in the AFC West. The Buffalo Bills play the Miami Dolphins, which are under a new regime and start Tua. They play Zach Wilson, a second-year player, a quarterback in, in the Jets, who, who, for lack of better terms, stunk his first year. <laughs> Mac Jones was good. Yeah, you know, he made a Pro Bowl, but it's it's just not um, as competitive as the AFC West is. And now you have the Kansas City Chiefs, and you're going to have six tough games 
four tougher mm-hmm. than the two against the Raiders, but still the Raiders play the Chiefs recently pretty tough. Yep. So, you know, th- that's a huge advantage for Buffalo. And if they're able to get a, a bye week, we just know how big of an advantage that is. The bye week helped lead the Chiefs to the championship, you know, three years ago now. So I just uh, I, I just think it's it's a killer for the AFC West because not to say that you could just walk over Drew Locke. If you remember, the, Drew Locke actually almost beat the Chiefs in that final game. Um, if it weren't, wasn't for Melvin Ingram and Nick Bolton, who knows how that game goes. But so, you know, you're going to get your your fluky type of, of, of games, when, even when you don't have a, a quarterback like Russell Wilson. It just makes it a lot tougher, two tougher games. Um, and it's for everybody. It's for the Chargers and the Raiders as well. These teams are really going to be beating up on each other, and it's going to be tough for, for A to – make the postseason if you're on the fringe like a Raiders and Chargers were uh, to an extent as the end of the season and then ultimately it's it's going to become a lot tougher to have the best record in the conference and I know I hit on that yesterday but the more I think about it I, I just think the AFC West is is so clearly the best division in football and one of the signatures of the Chiefs for so long even dating back to the Alex Smith days has been this divisional dominance and it could almost be mm-hmm. assumed because the division was weak and it's just not going to be able to be assumed anymore. I, I know I said four, two, four and two would be great, like three and three in the division. I, you almost take that when you look at this division now. And it's it's wild to say that. So um, I'm eager to see that. And, and one thing I wanted to say also, too, with with uh, and Carrington made this point and I wanted to share it on our um, airwaves. Uh, he made it to me yesterday when I was doing 610. But it's really going to wake up that Chiefs Broncos rivalry. And I, yeah. I know that oh, yeah. that's not not necessarily a welcomed thing um but uh to me if you really think about uh and you can fast forward your mind and try to think about what i think is going to be a primetime game pat mahomes russ wilson a division game for the first time that is going to get your juices flowing as an nfl fan way yeah. more than mahomes simian you know, like Mahomes, <laughs> Lock, Mahomes, Bridgewater. I mean, this right. is Russ Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes. He didn't have a great, uh, Wilson didn't have a great 2021 season, but regardless, it, it changes the game because I, I think there's the prospect of it being a fresh start for him. You know, he's going to be ultra motivated to prove himself. And I think similar in the sense to what Aaron Rodgers has, has gone through. And this will be fun again. Chiefs Broncos hasn't been fun for a while. It really hasn't. Uh, it wasn't fun for Chiefs fans uh, back in the day as the Broncos dominated with Peyton Manning. It hasn't been fun for Broncos fans uh, with the Chiefs dominating for so long. But this is, uh, I think, a real legitimate rivalry again, it, or it, at least it, it it projects to be, in my opinion. Well, you know, I know a lot of fans are concerned that uh, and see this as really bad news because the Broncos are going to be better. I mean, that's inarguable. That right. the Bron- this is really going to improve the Broncos' chances to play well in any game that they play. I, everybody is going to agree on that. But I'm not, I'm not completely convinced it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, competition is good. Mm-hmm. We say that all the time. We say that competition is good. And uh, if it's going to be harder for the Chiefs to get through their division... That just makes him better in the offseason. That makes him right. better against the other opponents. Um, you know, yeah, these games are going to be more difficult to win. Absolutely. But I say, bring it on. 
You know, this is this is what, it, as Andy Reid would say, this is what it's all about. We look forward to the challenge of playing a great football <laughs> team. You know, so we look the challenge I, of playing Russell Wilson twice. Yeah, so so bring it on. Let's see what happens. Let's go. The poll of the week was: As a Chiefs fan, how concerned does the trade for Wilson make you about the Broncos? I put three options: very concerned, somewhat concerned, and not concerned. Forty-eight point eight percent of Chiefs fans are not concerned. So half half of the fan wow. base. 45.9, about half, are somewhat concerned, and a very small 5% are very concerned. So it's about split where raises half the fan base, I, I think, is they're raising some eyebrows, and the other half is, is still not worried. And I think when you have Patrick Mahomes, you should have that confidence. I, I think this is a big offseason for Patrick Mahomes, but I, I think, John, oh, yeah. as you have alluded to in previous podcasts, I think he's going to come back sort of uh, with a vengeance to, to prove that he's still the best QB in the league. And I think Vegas realizes that as, as he's still the uh, he's the favorite to win the MVP for the 2022 season. All right. We had mentioned that free agency is coming up. This is the last thing we're going to talk about to, on today's podcast. Um, John, you've been doing a nice job for us at Arrowhead Pride, A, rounding up some of these mock drafts, but keeping a tally and a percentage on the position. So what's your report there? Where do these talking heads and experts see the the chiefs going in when it comes time for for the draft in late april well i think if you ask any chiefs fan who's sitting at the end of the bar uh they're going to tell you that the biggest need the chiefs have is edge rusher but these national writers who are putting out these mocks we've covered 29 of them on arrowhead pride so far uh more than half of them I uh, think the Chiefs are going to go with some kind of a defensive back. And and most of them who are picking defensive back are going with Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Um, right. As as I mentioned earlier, Todd McShay just uh, made that choice on his mock draft today, his mock draft 3.0. Uh, on his previous two drafts, he had the Chiefs taking the Penn State wide receiver Dotson um, in his, uh, at the 30th pick. So he's now on board with Daxton Hill from Michigan. Uh, and he's thinking about Tyron Matthew and the Chiefs having to fill that hole. So that's going to be one of the questions that we'll have to answer in free agency. Are the Chiefs going to try and do something about that, or are they going to depend on the draft to do that? Um, the edge rusher is uh, about a third of the mock drafts uh, are coming in with an edge rusher and about 14% with a wide receiver just because it's the Chiefs. You know, I, I and and there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about the Chiefs really needing a number two wide receiver. I'm not sure as long as Travis Kelsey is on the field, that's really as big a need as as it's often perceived. But uh, but that is still a thought that's out there, and I think that's what drives that wide receiver thing. And um, uh, among the edge rushers, um, the number one pick so far has been Carlaftis out of Purdue. Although I think that's going to to fall back because he didn't perform particularly well at the combine so his stock is probably falling a little bit um so we'll see how this plays out uh, over the next uh, the next few weeks as the mock drafts continue to roll in yeah it's really tough to predict which direction the chiefs are going to go in when they're the 30th mm-hmm. pick because so much of yeah. it relies on on the board we have seen that brett veach is not afraid to trade up he's not afraid to trade back I also think if you're taking those positions of a defensive back or an edge player who you really think that can start on day one and be an impact player for you, you're probably going to have to trade up. I just don't know if a player that you're you're going to want is is going to be there. And Veach, in talking about why he hasn't taken defensive backs for premium picks, 
basically said that, you know, a lot of these defensive backs and edge players, because it's such an important position, those impact guys are gone by the twenties and thirties mm-hmm. where the, the chiefs now regularly pick because they go so far in the playoff tournament. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it, it's, it's a boring answer, but I, I think the chiefs are going to have to see how the, the board falls. And I, as I'll remind people, we'll have much clearer picture of, of which way they go after free agency. Because right. I'll reiterate, they just do such a good job fixing these positions prior to even having these draft talks. So this Chiefs team that we're talking about today on March 9th is going to look very different, I think, by March 16th. I think it's going to look very different by March 22nd and as and as you go. And then you're, you'll get a better picture of where the, they just need bodies at the position. And so it, it does seem like Brad Veach takes a lot of advantage of his 90-man roster. When there are questions at the position, he tends to just put a lot of players that could potentially uh, be an impact player for him uh, there. And so, uh, to me, that's what's going to end up happening at, at some of these positions, maybe like a third wide receiver, maybe like an edge where you have just like a lot of bodies in the room, and hopefully you can you can nab someone in the draft that you really, really like and, and could could play a role for you. So you, you don't have to look any farther than last year to see that that's true. I mean, you think about what we were talking about at this time a year ago going into the free agency period. You know, we were saying, uh, well, you know, the Chiefs are going to have to draft an offensive tackle. But they were right. adding players like Austin Blythe and Kyle Long, who was a very versatile guy that could be used in a lot of different ways. And as we got to the draft, um, in the weeks up to the draft, we thought, well, they've kind of got all this covered pretty well, and they can pretty much do what they want. And then in just the days before the draft is when we had the trade for Orlando Brown Jr. So it just shows how much this can change over the course of the next six or seven weeks, mm-hmm. uh, depending on on what kind of moves the Chiefs make in free agency. And I, I think you're exactly right. This is something that any good G, uh, general manager would do. And I think Brett Veach is a good general manager. You put yourself in a position where you don't have to be forced into taking a particular position with your draft picks. That's the best way to get the best value out of your picks is to not have any big, huge, gaping, ridiculous holes in your roster that you've at least got guys who can come in and play at some kind of a competent level. And then you can take the the player that looks the best to you on your board. And that, in the long run, is going to give you the best results in the draft. Very well said. We will keep you updated on mock drafts and free agency uh, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We're doing some off-season work Monday and Friday with Ron Koff and friends. We now have added Coast to Coast on Tuesday nights. If you want to get involved with that, it is 7 p.m. on Tuesday evenings. You can get us get a, get on the podcast channel really i mean you could ask the guys questions and to have the discussion right here on twitter spaces and then we put them on the, the podcast channel so we got you covered got you covered at arrowheadpride.com too uh good conversations today the afc west has been shaken up it is making for a very interesting off season which will make for a very interesting regular season if you enjoy the arrowhead pride podcast network as i said please leave us a rating and a review i'm not kidding we will read them on the podcast, if you ask a question, we'll try to answer that as best we can. John is going to continue to work on his mascot work as we go along here and try to get you an answer. Yeah, I'll probably next forget week. about it again. We'll see. We'll see how many weeks in a row he can forget about it. Uh, but that's it for Steven Serta and John Dixon. My name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you once again for joining us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.